0: Fellow football fanatics, God saved his two best matchups to kick off and conclude this Saturday and Sunday of college football, with Colorado and TCU going back and forth in their own highly anticipated matchup that was a mini arms race, and Florida State and LSU going back and forth, albeit for only three quarters and not four quarters, like Sonny Dykes and Deion Sanders' squads did, but nonetheless... A major arms race, a game that had more playoff implications, national title implications, and conference title implications and ramifications than Colorado and TCU did. I think that the Colorado-TCU matchup was more entertaining, obviously more down to the wire, and that game was more fun to watch than this game was. But this was still one of the more entertaining games of Saturday and Sunday, it was fitting that it was the only game on, the only college football game or NFL game, the only football period game that was on this Sunday night, that this was a battle for three quarters between teams who honestly need this win in a certain way. Not just because, of course, you can really only afford one win to get into the college football playoff but also because these two teams don't have jokes of a schedule. Florida State still has Clemson to play, and LSU has an SEC schedule that includes Alabama and Ole Miss and Texas A&M, Mississippi State, Arkansas, Auburn. If I missed any other SEC team that's in LSU's division, I apologize. Both teams have their own mountains still left to climb. Florida State has not beaten Clemson since 2014. Now, what they did tonight was an exorcism of plenty of demons. You want to know the last time Florida State beat a top 10 team? It was Michigan in the Orange Bowl in 2016. How fitting that Florida State's last top 10 win before this one was against my team, but who cares, that was over half a decade ago. Which is the point. Florida State was on a long, lethargic drought ever since 2017's disaster where Jimbo Fisher exited the program. Now, we don't know what Texas A&M is going to be this year, but I would be willing to say with a lot of confidence that I think Florida State's much better than Texas A&M. So, how are you doing, Jimbo Fisher? And how are you doing, Mike Norvell? I imagine the answers to those questions both now and at the end of the season will look radically differently in favor of Mike Norvell and Florida State. What a big win. 45-24 and yes, the game was closer than the score indicated. It was a battle for three quarters. Florida State began to take control and establish themselves as the better team in the third quarter, but really what sealed the deal was Jaden Daniels' first and only interception of the game. Malik Neighbors just fell down, and Florida State was there, picked it off. They couldn't return it. Originally, it looked like he'd managed to keep his knee off the ground, but he didn't. Who cared? Florida State then proceeded to go on a 57-yard drive, which proceeded in Keon Coleman hauling in his third receiving touchdown of the day. Keon Coleman was quite the player in today's matchup. Definitely Florida State's best wide receiver. And I said in my preview video, watch out for this gentleman, because he's a possessive wide receiver, he knows how to moss defensive backs, and with some questions among LSU's secondary, maybe he can make some things happen, and he's certainly, in, in a big way, Florida State's biggest portal addition, because Florida State needed depth at wide receiver, they needed more weapons for Jordan Travis, they already had Johnny Wilson, Trey Benson, They got Jaheim Bell, who got involved in the game later. Keon Coleman, from the get-go of this game, showed his impact for Florida State. Absolutely crazy. And we'll talk about him and other impact transfers for Florida State, and really just the entirety of the Florida State program, more throughout this video, because this was a huge win. I was wrong. I couldn't have been happier to be wrong, because Florida State... Them being back, I don't know exactly if they're back, of course. This is just a week one game. I don't want to overreact, but them getting a win like this and getting in the spotlight is great for college football. It really is. They dominated on the perimeter. In the beginning of the game, LSU established control at the lines of scrimmage. By the end of the game, um, who cares about my previous statement? Florida State was blowing up LSU's defensive line, blowing up LSU's offensive line. Jordan Travis looked like the better quarterback. Florida State had the better wide receivers. This was dominance on the part of Mike Norvell in Florida State. And congratulations to their staff. They beat a team that had superior talent, superior resources both in, obviously, the SEC's TV contract, but also the recent history and inner workings of both of these programs. They beat a team that recruits better than they do. They beat a team who, in fact, had a higher-rated transfer portal recruiting class than they did. And in large part, you looked at this game, from my perspective at least, and part of me said that, you know, there's a chance that Florida State wins. However, it seems like LSU is just slightly better in almost every way. Now, obviously, there were a few exceptions, like Florida State having Jaheem Bell and Kyle Morlock at tight end. They had the better tight end room. I thought that Florida State had the better running back room, that they had the better secondary, and I knew for a fact confidently they had the better special teams, and indeed tonight proved that. But... From a recruiting standpoint, a development standpoint, a staff standpoint, I thought that LSU had Florida State locked down to a certain degree. And in theory, and on paper they did, but this is why you play the games, because in practice they had anything but what I just mentioned. It was the opposite. Florida State game planned perfectly, and they nearly shut out LSU in the second half. That game was, it was outer-worldly, watching LSU go in with a lead at halftime with close, with, you know, about, I want to say, like, 60% chance to win at halftime, and then it stabilizes, looking at ESPN's win probability, and then it just tanks. It absolutely tanks when Florida State and Jordan Travis converted that fourth and two, and Lawrence Toffili took it 41 yards to the LSU one on a pass out of the backfield. It was nuts. Florida State took complete control of this game, and Keon Coleman, Jaheim Bell, Jordan Travis, Trey Benson, they took, they were an intercontinental ballistic missile. They were a nuke, and they launched it right into Baton Rouge. To start off 0-1 as LSU with the schedule they have, it's possible. This team has the talent to win the majority, if not all, of their games on their schedule, both for LSU and Florida State from here on out. We don't know how good Alabama is. They looked amazing against Utah State last year and then proceeded to go 11-2 and look like garbage when they played on the road for Nick Saban standards. And the SEC, seeing how South Carolina lost to UNC, Florida getting humiliated by Utah on the road, who was down several starters, maybe LSU in what could be maybe a down year for the SEC, at least for the West. I don't care how bad Georgia looks or how mediocre they look at times. I got to see it in order to believe it, to have someone upset them in the regular season. I think is probably a lock, or close to a lock, to win the conference. And their first test will be in the college football playoff or the SEC championship game. That was my preseason mindset. And looking at how the SEC played, maybe Alabama can pull something off. But I think Alabama's the only team who could stand in Georgia's way, if I'm being honest. It is week one. I'm not going to overreact. I still have questions about both of these teams and how they could win a national title, reach the college football playoff. I had questions entering this game, and I still have questions exiting this game. Florida State obviously doesn't have the talent that most top 10 teams do from a recruiting standpoint. Their coaching staff is still new when it comes to them being talked about as an elite staff. They're not as proven. And LSU, when you get dominated by Florida State like that, And your secondary looks suspect when Keon Coleman, who's my player of the game, makes... I mean, he cooked Deuce Chestnut, and anyone that he faced off against just straight up burned them. That's what Keon Coleman did. And Johnny Wilson made a few drops, and Florida State had gobs of penalties. I mean, it's not like Florida State played the perfect game. But LSU had their own kind of undiscipline that didn't help them. For Florida State, their lack of discipline... Their kickoff jitters were penalties, being overly hyped, overly aggressive, not knowing how to hold their punches, and that came out in the end as a good thing where they just ran over LSU. LSU's lack of discipline was, they looked shell-shocked to a certain degree, and they had plenty of drops, missed assignments, Jaheim Bell, for example, later in the game, and other times as well. And when things got tough and when they got down by two scores, they just completely fell apart. I mean, Florida State was the mentally tougher team in my mind. Keon Coleman was unstoppable. Nine receptions, 122 yards, three receiving touchdowns. He transferred in for Michigan State, and when Peyton Thorne and Keon Coleman entered the portal and everyone was reacting so badly about it in regards to the state of Michigan State's program— I said that Keon Coleman would definitely hurt at wide receiver, but that they'd be able to make a game plan and win on offense without him. I said that Peyton Thorne's transfer meant absolutely nothing. And seeing how I think Noah Kim looked better than Peyton Thorne in week one, I think the Peyton Thorne part about my prediction was proven correct. But it is week one. However, for Keon Coleman, he did better in this game than I ever thought he would. Three receiving touchdowns against a secondary that his players, again, like Deuce Chestnut, Zy Alexander, tons of transfers, and I know they have injuries there, and Denver Harris has caused some problems in the locker room, but nonetheless, a Matt House coach defense. Harold Perkins tonight was basically a non-impact player. He didn't have a single sack. Harold Perkins, in fact, didn't even have a tackle for loss. He just had five total tackles, no sacks, no passes defended, nothing. Nothing. Florida State held him in check. They totally held him in check. And Keon Coleman was a huge part of the reason why LSU's defense couldn't hold Florida State to under 40 points. My prediction for this game was LSU 28, Florida State 25. Now my prediction for LSU was actually somewhat accurate. I mean, LSU nearly ended the game with more rushing yards, and for much of the game, controlled the line of scrimmage. The problem was, their perimeter talent, receiver, defensive back, performed far worse than I anticipated. Far worse. And Jaden Daniels, a 57.6 quarterback efficiency rating, his statistics are actually padded because he had that late, 75 yard passing touchdown to brian thomas jr otherwise the score would have been 45 to 17 if that just shows how out of hand this game got really keon coleman and jordan travis put a clinic on and no matter who it was keon coleman torched nine receptions 122 receiving yards 13.6 yards per reception three receiving touchdowns, and he did it against a secondary that I think will still be one of the better secondaries in the SEC as the year progresses. Obviously, LSU has some concerns to work out on defense. I still think they have a great defensive unit. In a certain sense, this is like playoff games, for example, where let's say Michigan's defense in 2021 and 2022, their defense gets humiliated in the playoffs. Facts. Well, their defense was still near elite, and in the case of the 2022 defense, elite, in my mind, they just had a bad game, and more importantly, they had a bad mismatch. And Keon Coleman was that awful mismatch. I mean, Jordan Travis had a wide-open receiver on Keon Coleman's second-receiving touchdown when it was 14-7 LSU, second quarter. Wide-open guy on what was Jordan Travis's left side of the field. Easy 10-yard pickup, no matter what happened, unless he made an awful throw. Instead, Keon Coleman, one-on-one, no, I'm going to chuck it up to Coleman. And Coleman just completely burns whoever's covering him and gets a touchdown and makes it 14-14. He's an impact player. I was really impressed with his style of play. Honestly, good for him he's he transferred for a reason that reason being that he wanted to be more on the national stage he didn't feel like he was going to hit his ceiling in michigan state's offense and seeing that michigan state has nathan carter jalen berger their offensive line looks better and that noah kim probably it most likely. I'm just saying it because it's week one and I want to hold reservations. I'm 95% sure Noah Kim isn't as good as Jordan Travis, and the Big Ten schedule is harder. There's better defenses there, which means Keon Coleman, it's going to be harder for him to rack up yards and statistics. All of these things. Keon Coleman, he wants to maximize his draft stock. He wants to get national attention. Go to Florida State who was viewed even before he transferred there as a national title sleeper pick. And now, with him there, he's the type of wide receiver who could carry them through games, who could carry Jordan Travis if he's having a bad day, and who could lead Florida State in a comeback. This guy is a mismatch for any secondary. You saw that in the Michigan game last year, the Penn State game last year when he was with Michigan State. He did well against Washington when Michigan State's offense was depleted outside of him and Peyton Thorne on the road in 2022's Week 3. And against LSU, he just did it again. Another phenomenal game for a phenomenal college football player. Congratulations to Keon Coleman. Unstoppable. And I wish him the best. And I think there's also a chance to just briefly touch on Michigan State. The move could have been beneficial. Michigan State's run game looks good, and they have some underrated receivers, so maybe this move benefits Coleman without hurting Michigan State much. We'll just have to see how the season goes for both teams, but Florida State looks better than I anticipated. They proved me wrong. I only expected them to score 25 points, and they scored 45 points, and Keon Coleman was a huge part of that reason. His three touchdowns, that's 21 points, and... I expected Florida State to score 20 less points than they actually did. So Keon Coleman, a huge part of the reason why Florida State not only won this game, but why they stayed in it. Because he was the only receiver for the entire game, really, until Jaheem Bell had that 44-yard touchdown reception. He was the only receiver who was able to you know, get these incredible catches, saved Jordan Travis and Florida State on a few third downs, as to Johnny Wilson, he was the only receiver getting in the end zone. So props to him, props to Mike Norvell for getting him out of the portal, because there were so many schools that wanted him and that offered him a scholarship. Practically every school in the country, outside of probably Ohio State, because their wide receiver room was deep enough, offered him a scholarship, and many of those schools were recruiting him as well. So Keon Coleman's my player of the game. I also think another underrated player, And I'll touch on him later. But um, Florida State, they were able to stop the run much better than I thought they were. And Jared Verse, he was disrupting the pass game and the run game. But more importantly, in my mind, than Jared Verse and Shaheem Brown and Kalen Deloach and Dennis Briggs Jr. was Braden, um, I think, Feisk is how you say his name, or Fisky, or Fisk. Maybe it's just Braden Fisk. Um, Correct me if I mispronounced his last name. I know for a fact that I did. But in 2022, he had 31 solo solo tackles, six sacks, two forced fumbles, big-time player at Western Michigan for several years, also having a good 2021 and 2020 campaign. Him at the interior defensive tackle position LSU could not run up the middle to save their life. There were, like, in my opinion, five, six, seven times where LSU tried to run up the middle. No, they couldn't do it. They, they could not. They couldn't do it. I'm not kidding you. And one of the concerns about LSU that I and others had entering this game in the season was, how good is your O-line going to be? How good? Now... I was already somewhat modest on LSU's offensive line in comparison to Michigan, Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State's offensive lines, but I still overestimated how good their trench play was. Florida State, by the end of the game, had worn them down and bullied them in the trenches, and obviously, Braden Fisk was a huge part of that. He only had two two total tackles, but he looked good, totally... Holding his water at the point of attack. And Florida State had five total tackles for loss, four sacks, four passes defended. That entire defensive line played the game of their lives. Incredible. So I saved the best for last on this channel. I have so much more to talk about in regards to Florida State because their path, even if, let's say, both of these teams didn't play this game and they both started out 1 0. Florida State has the easier path to get to the college football playoff, and, no, and now knowing that they're the better team, perhaps by a significant margin, they have the far easier path to achieve their preseason goals and the expectations set forth before them. For LSU, the Tigers were ranked number four by ESPN's FPI. Now, when I saw that in the preseason, I laughed. thats I even said that in my preview video. They were overrated by FPI, but FPI's weird Very few look at FPI anyway. I do, just because by the end of the season, or at least middle of the season, it begins to be more accurate. At at the beginning of the season, it's just very wonky, but I think there's some usefulness to it. But many others had LSU ranked highly. There are plenty of people who had LSU in their preseason top four. Some people who picked them to win it all, too. Not, Not a lot, but a handful and a big enough handful that I'm going to mention it, this team did not look like a college football playoff team. Period. Amen. And my prediction of them going 11-1 and and only losing to Alabama, that's wrong. Um, The prediction of them just going 11-1 and and losing to somebody is likely proven wrong. I think that LSU has enough talent that if they fix some of these miscues and Alabama isn't— they aren't playing at the typical Nick Saban standard that we saw from his teams before 2021. If Alabama has another year like they have over the past two seasons and LSU with their superior talent compared to every SEC West team except AM and Alabama, if they can beat AM, Alabama, Ole Miss, and continue to grow as a team and fix these miscues, maybe they do win out. But I doubt it. I just wanted to mention the possibility because you never know. We've seen crazy things in college football. After all, Deion Sanders just proved a multitude of people wrong. And then there are going to be people who say, I told you so. Deion's winning 10 games at Colorado, and then he'll win, you know, six or seven or, or eight. Like, college football is an ever-changing sport. The expectations also sadly change overall. Brian Kelly got outcoached, whether it was the drops, the missed assignments, the fact that the team, by the second quarter, but you really saw it in the third quarter, was just overwhelmed, overmatched, full of, really, fear, in all honesty. Every punch that LSU threw at Florida State, they had a counterpunch. They did. Florida State gifted LSU. 64 yards and penalties, with seven penalties. Florida State had the first turnover. No, not the first, the second turnover of the game. It was back-to-back turnovers, a muff punt by LSU, and an interception thrown by Travis. But LSU special teams being so bad, and them muffing punts last year as a commonality, made that turnover forgettable anyway. But LSU dominated the lines of scrimmage early in the game, they looked like the better team. They Florida State was performing better on third down and they held LSU to 0 of 3 on fourth down. That perhaps was one of the more underrated statistics of this game is Florida State got a goal line stop, then another red zone stop, and then at the end of the game on what was the make or break play of the matchup, LSU also failed on fourth down. So being a total of 3 of 13 On third and fourth down, not a good look. In contrast, Florida State was 10 of 15 on third and fourth down. Very impressive. Absolutely impressive. And Johnny Wilson and Keon Coleman were a huge, a huge part of that, obviously, as was Jordan Travis, who got the football in their hands. LSU's defense, they have tons of potential. Harold Perkins is still an elite player. Mason Smith was missed more than I expected, but Mecky Wingo was still challenging Florida's offensive line. He was not the problem, and in my opinion, neither was Harold Perkins. The problem was Matt House's schematics. More importantly, this secondary just was busted by guys like Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson and Jordan Travis, too. He had some down plays. He also had some upside and some highlight reels. He's a good player. He was the He was the better quarterback, period, amen, today. Special teams was also just awful from the muffed punt. I mean, that was textbook, textbook LSU, textbook Brian Kelly LSU was what that muffed punt was. I mean, I, in my mind, I was thinking there's a good chance that LSU muffs this punt here out of for no evidence or reasoning other than they did it last year. And, well, guess what? They did it. And LSU also, they had, on kick returns, an average of 12.8 yards per kick return. That's pretty terrible. Four kick returns, 51 yards, with a long of 17 is just awful. Damian Ramos who was never the problem for special teams last year or rarely was. He was one of one for field goals, three of three for extra points. And Jay Bramlett, three punts, an average of 45 yards per punt, two of them inside the 20. It was the return game on both punting and kicking that was the problem. And Special teams just, no, absolutely not. Ryan Fitzgerald, talk about a redemption story. He had a rough year last season. As Florida State's kicker, one of one with field goals, six of six on extra points, good for him. I know that he wasn't the most impactful player of Florida State's game, obviously, but good for him. LSU still put up three touchdowns, 460 offensive yards. The problem for the Tigers was their offensive line play. While at the beginning, their trench play on the offensive line and defensive line were better than Florida State's, it was never And I mean never great the entire game. LSU just started off average, maybe above average at offensive line and a lead at defensive line. Florida State started out average on the offensive line and I think good at the defensive line, especially on the interior. LSU was able to get some big plays on the perimeter and on the outside, And with um, Jaden Daniels as well, made some big scrambles and runs on the outside or on improvised scrambles as as well. But on the interior, LSU's offensive line could never get a push. I mean, it took them so many times to run the ball and finally get that touchdown when they did. And on that opening drive where they drove down fourth and goal and Jaden Daniels slipped, And then before then, LSU tried to run it in two or three times up the middle. Never worked. Once was with Jaden Daniels, and Florida State read it perfectly. The secondary's in trouble. The offensive line, I don't know how it's going to face up against Alabama or Texas A&M, who should have a better defensive line and a better time stopping the run than they did last year. Plenty of questions for LSU, but also a whole lot of potential. And Brian Kelly has suffered these big-time losses before, whether it's in the early, middle, or later, or final part of the season. And he's bounced back. He's a good head coach. He's a great head coach. And entering this game, I had him as a much better head coach than Mike Norvell. Overall, he probably is, to a certain degree, still a better head coach than Mike Norvell. I just think Mike Norvell had the better game in particular, and I think that he's built the better roster. And dare I say it, developed the better roster and assembled the better staff. I mean, Florida State just put LSU on, honestly, on its deathbed to a certain degree. That's the only way I can describe it. And then for Florida State, they had the better players at every position. And maybe my deathbed comment was an over-exaggeration, but they certainly put LSU on sick leave. When you beat a team 45-24... to 24, that is, that's a beatdown for one. And when you cover the spread by 23 points in your favor, that's shocking. I don't know anyone who would have picked Florida State to come in and destroy LSU. There were probably a handful of people that picked that, mostly Florida State fans and some people who are far more intelligent than I am or others are. Look, I was wrong. This you know game and the result made my pick look silly and my pick was silly when the Seminoles have 500 total yards 6 touchdowns when Keon Coleman is is accounted for half of those touchdowns and they have the better players at every position meanwhile i said in my preview that LSU has a roster advantage that's a silly pick Florida State, by the end of the day, had the better offensive line, the better tight ends, the better wide receivers, the better running backs, the better quarterback. They had the better you know, return specialist, the better punter, the better defensive line, the better linebacker room, the better corners, the better safeties. The only place they may not have been better than LSU in was kicker. And Damian Ramos and Ryan Fitzgerald both have questions about them anyway and if you want to account special teams as a whole unit in itself then florida state by including all the special teams players into one had the better players in the better positions everywhere everywhere they they totally outmatched lsu and that was evident by the end of the third quarter and by the fourth quarter i was thinking to myself they they're pouring it on that's what florida state did That anger and that lack of discipline that we saw in the first half in particular, what I think that was, was Florida State being excited and full of energy and them wanting to come out and kill LSU. And at first it was untamed. And if they go on the road against Clemson, and let's say Clemson's better than LSU and maybe... Because I think Clemson is a better head coach, and they probably have somewhat of a mental advantage over a team like Florida State, who they've beaten every year since 2015. Maybe a start like what Florida State had against LSU would put them in a hole on the road against Clemson. In this game, though, I don't think it did. I think the mentality that Florida State had, which is we're going to come in here, we're going to dominate, and we're going to wreck havoc, it needs to be tamed because giving away 60 yards and free penalties is not a good thing. In fact, it gave, it gifted LSU nearly a touchdown. I forget if there was one drive where Florida State had like two or three unsportsmanlike or roughing the passer or personal foul type penalties, and it extended LSU's drive into their territory exclusively off of penalties. You can't have that. You cannot, even if the intention for it is good and it results in some better aggressive play, that's too risky. That needs to be tamed, but I think what we saw was the killer instinct from this team. And also Mike Norvell's offense is back. Mike Norvell, in 2019 with the Memphis Tigers, scored 40.4 points per game, which was good for 8th in the nation. Now with a more talented roster, a program with more resources and a better defense. He hangs 45 against the number five team in the country to kick off Florida State's 2023 season. And Keon Coleman, as we already discussed, is an elite wide receiver. I think no doubt he's better than Johnny Wilson. Yes, Johnny Wilson's taller and he has a a longer wingspan, but Keon Coleman's the more disciplined wide receiver, the better route runner, the more reliable catcher. He he didn't have any drops and if he did it was maybe one or on a play that wasn't important or noticeable. Keon Coleman's Florida State's best receiver after this game, period. Amen. He was a much needed addition. An addition that people know that people knew that Florida State could have used, but perhaps no one knew how badly Florida State needed a player like Keon Coleman. Because without Keon Coleman this game could have swung as far back as l s u potentially dominating this game because, as I mentioned earlier, Jordan travis he would fling it up to Coleman when he whether he was in trouble on a third and long, whether he wanted to get the quick touchdown instead of pick up ten yards and get closer to the end zone, regardless he he trusted Keon Coleman, and Keon Coleman has the best chemistry out of any of those wide receivers with his quarterback Jordan Travis. So the future for the Seminoles for this year looks bright. I still have questions about both LSU and Florida State in regards to how good they are. It is just week one. My top 25, which will release either Tuesday or Wednesday, one of those days, the movement for these teams won't be as crazy as much of you might think is necessary or advisable. It is just week one, the sample size is small, but some of the biggest movement that will occur is LSU moving down and Florida State moving up. No, no doubt about that. Florida State was the better team. This wasn't a fluky win, this was a dominant win where Mike Norvell outcoached Brian Kelly. If these teams matched up tomorrow, Florida State would beat him again, and the same thing if they matched up Tuesday. Thank you guys so much for watching. I want to give a quick shout out to my All-American patron Spencer Bringhurst and my All-Conference patrons, Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, and Roaming Gnome. Thank you guys so much for watching this video, and if you haven't checked out my Patreon channel, please do. And I appreciate covering this sport. I have had the most fun that I've had with college football in this week one, since honestly, probably the 2021 season. Last year wasn't as fun for me for a variety of reasons. Obviously, Michigan's playoff run and then beating Ohio State, beating Penn State, beating Michigan State were fun, but I'm all in for college football, and I'm excited to cover this sport with you guys. So help us reach 20,000 subscribers if you can by subscribing to the channel like this video, and comment your thoughts on this game down below. What did you think about this matchup? And did this result shock you? Because it totally shocked me, and I'm all here for it. Have a good night, guys, and I'll see you very soon. Bye-bye.